Welcome back to another Soul Driven Interview. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest to you. He's someone that I've been working with for the past several months, and he has such a unique story. Not only that, but our sessions pretty much always run long because, quite frankly, I can't quit talking to him. (laughs) He's a wealth of information, and hypnotherapy is just, oh, it's so fascinating to me. So before I dive into sharing his bio with you, I have two announcements. First of all, there are only 30 days left to join the Soul Driven Collective under the founding members special. This is a beautiful community that I have launched. It is an extension of the podcast. We host events, um, workshops, there's going to be courses coming. There's all kinds of things that are going to, well, that are taking place within the collective now and will be moving forward. Um, you get to be involved in this podcast, in some of the decisions that I'm making about the podcast, but also, you know, if you're just looking for a way to support this podcast because you love it and I don't know, you know, you want to support it, (laughs) then this is a really beautiful way to do so. It is housed on or hosted on Patreon, I should say, which is such a beautiful community for creatives and I'm thankful to be there. So make sure that you check that out. There's a link in the bio. You can see there are three different tiers. Um, You can see what, what is included in each one and features will be getting added on um, within the coming months. So the second announcement is that I have announced this month's, oh my goodness, my brain, this month's um, live discussion, AKA workshop, the Soul Driven Workshop. Um, It is going to be with Sherry Purbeck. She has been on the podcast talking about angels twice and this is a open event to the public. Come meet Sherry, hang out with Sherry. She's going to be talking about some angels and she's actually going to be giving out angel messages to attendees as well. So if you've been curious about angels, you want to learn more about them in a one-on-one setting, you know, obviously it's a group, but you know what I mean, then you should definitely come. You can check out the link, see it on our social channels. And if you want to sign up to come, all you have to do is DM me on Instagram or Facebook with your email address. Okay, so let's dive in to today's guest, George Worley. Giving back is integral to George Worley's purpose in life. Oh, Mercury in Retrograde has been so much fun today. This is like the millionth time I've tried to record this, so I'm just going to start over with his bio here. (laughs) Giving back is integral to George Worley's purpose in life, which is to bring kindness to those in despair. Before fully realizing his purpose, he served in the Air Force with roles as a pilot, intelligence officer, and commander. After retiring, he worked for some time in various budgetary positions at the Pentagon before 
resigning after a significant life event. George believes this varied background allows him to meet you where you might be in your life journey. Outside of work history, George has been married for 39 years and has three children and four granddaughters. George's current practice operationalizes his purpose and is called heart-centric hypnosis and guidance. Some of the training for this late in life calling includes a master's of transpersonal psychology and applied spirituality and numerous certifications. He employs a very specific form of hypnotherapy called soul-centered healing. This form of hypnotherapy provides a holistic deep dive, identifying and working with dimensions besides the normal physical, emotional, and psychological. By being open to exploring the entire psyche, George can gently guide a client back to a wholeness that enables flourishing within every day. I know you're going to love George as much as I do, so we're just going to dive in. (laughs) Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back and thank you for joining us for another Soul Driven interview. I am very excited today to introduce you to George Worley, a certified hypnotherapist and spiritual guide at Heart-Centric Hypnosis and Guidance. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you for your patience with the sound. <laughs> There's always something. <laughs> Truly, always something. Um, so we have a really like awesome show. I, I have so many questions for George, and I'm going to try and contain it all and stay focused. But... Um, Kind of the backstory here with George is that we kind of go way back. His sister is like one of the best friends of my stepmother. And um, we met, oh gosh, an event many years ago and went on like a mini hike. There was a bunch of us. And fast forward to last year. Was it last year when I first reached out? Or no, earlier early this, this year? year? Yeah, early. Yeah, I was going through some things, really realizing that I have some very limiting beliefs and that I needed to do some deep work. And it was, of course, serendipitous. My father sent me George's website. He was like, look what George is doing now. And um, I clicked on it and got very excited. And so I have been working with George and... um, Every session that we have, we go over because we're just gabbing about all of the things, spiritual healing, (laughs) whatever there may be. So I begged him to come on the show and talk about hypnotherapy, and he's here today. So we're just going to dive right in because I have a million questions, Um, but I always start off with what makes you soul-driven? 
I love that kind of the metaphor, the soul driven right there. Uh, you know, I, I've accepted the wake up call for my soul. Okay, so I am letting my heart guide my path now, uh, letting uh, that that conduit that we all have, we just have to wake up to it, uh, to let it be our guide in, in this life. And certainly I was not always that way, as most of us aren't. Uh, now I'm entering my third turn of Saturn, you know, I'm 62 at this point. And uh, so that is, is a very typical time to wake up and accept what we are really meant to do in this life. And if we have done that, then we are by definition soul driven. I love that. Yeah. It's definitely, so your business's name is heart centric. That's right. Right. For so a that's big, a big deal for you. <laughs> it is a very big deal. And it was, uh, again, awakening to, uh, to the truth, to the truth from our soul of uh, what we're meant to be doing here uh, in a very broad, uh, very broad brush, but, uh, uh, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but I, I do like that metaphor. I, I, you know, I can it to, uh, you know, awakening. It's it's like a bell being rung. You can't unring that bell. You can try as you might. You can distract, you know, alcohol, whatever you want to use, you know. Uh, but you can't unring it right there. It's the red pill or the blue pill. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's <wisely>. no going back. <laughs> Choose wisely. Yeah. <laughs> so... I love starting with backgrounds and you have a very interesting background. I remember like on our first consultation when you shared with me that, you know, you're a retired, retired military. And I was just like, what? This is so because when I had met you, you were not doing this work. And I feel like there's such a rich story here. But I definitely want to start there. Like, you know, where are you from? Kind of give us an overview of of what brought you to this point. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, we met in North Carolina. That's where I grew up in North Carolina. And then I ended up at Chapel Hill, I think the same alma mater that you share. Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> but then I went right into the military. I spent 20 years as an Air Force pilot and Air Force intelligence officer. Also did some stints as a commander uh, right there. Uh, flew all over the world and then went to work uh, it, with a company called Booz Allen Hamilton there in, in D.C. It's a consulting firm. Uh, and then went to work for the feds, uh, feds being uh, the federal uh, civilian service for the Air Force. Uh, I worked at the Pentagon for about seven years after retiring from the military, doing budget. Budget is kind of a broad term. It, it gets pretty specific. And anyway, but I left that after uh, my wife and I were almost killed in an accident. Uh, we, we left the interstate going about 80 miles an hour hydroplaning. We should have been killed, uh, hit the, the Jersey barrier, totaled the car, uh, and it's, but essentially walked away from that accident. And I came back and resigned my, my post at the Pentagon as soon as I got back. I had no idea why, uh, but again, something had awakened uh, within me, uh, and uh, I knew what I was doing was not correct. Uh, and so then I, I kind of meandered around uh, looking for purpose because I that's kind of what has uh, had, had been uh, awoken. And uh, how old were you at this time? Or like how long ago was that? That was accident? in 2009, September, I think, 4th of 2009. Okay. And uh, so, uh, you know, gosh, what it's now 2021. That's 12 years. And so again, I flailed around for three or four years playing golf. We'd moved down to Florida, lived on the intercoastal, had boats, living a wonderful life of uh, 
of, uh, of just uh, non-awareness, I would say. Again, trying to distract myself from uh, a calling. Uh, I ended up uh, doing some uh, volunteer work with hospice there. I was, I was looking to try to do some service type uh, giving back because I had lots of time. Uh, and that, that kind of shook me up a little bit, seeing what I saw within hospice and then helping the, the beautiful souls out there. And then ended up going back to school, doing a master's of transpersonal psychology at Atlantic University. Uh, I also briefly enrolled in a social work program at University of Florida. Uh, didn't work out because of uh, personal uh, obligations, but ended up finishing that uh, transpersonal degree at, uh, at Atlanta University. And that is also where I also did the applied spirituality focus of it, because that's what was uh, appealing, resonating with me. With that comes your own work. As you do these courses, as you do this work, you become more aware of, of all that is both within you and, and, and outside of you. I mean, that's what transpersonal means. What kind of, right. So I have two questions. Mm -hmm. Um, one, just kind of stepping back a little bit, I'd love to know a little bit more about how that accident shook you. Mm. Um, and then we can kind of come forward and I have a, a nerdy question about your, <laughs> about your degree. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting. My wife was driving again. I told you we, we were doing about 85 when we left the interstate at 80 in not controlled driving situation, uh, flew over a, a medium anyway, but it, it, it went into immediate slow motion, that whole accident. And I knew at that point that nothing was going to be the same during that slow motion impact in the Jersey barrier, glass shattering, you know, everything crunching down. Uh, but I didn't know why, had no idea. And, it, you know, it's one of those, uh, I was clearly not on a spiritual path at that point in my life. I mean, uh, it, what I was doing in the Pentagon was a very, very necessary job, 60 hours a week. Uh, but no, that's not what I was supposed to be doing. I, I consider that a nudge from a guide to be quite frank there. <laughs> That's a heck of a nudge, but I do those do believe that those happen at, at certain points in our life based upon what we've likely uh, were trying to do within our soul contract. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, what we were ignoring usually. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, um, when they get, when they need to get your attention in that kind of a way, it's like, yo, yeah. buddy, I've been like knocking on this door for a while now. But, but we should have not lived through that. Uh, but, you know, we, we both walked away, but we were both very shaken, but it changed my life in a fundamental direction, a good direction, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Car accidents are no joke. Yeah. Um, so kind of jumping forward a little bit, mm -hmm. I guess my question was um, the spirituality degree. Obviously, I would think, you know, in transpersonal psychology, you're learning a lot, but about yourself, um, how could you not, right? Yeah. I'm curious, though, like from uh, someone who like thinks of never going back to school again, <laughs> I didn't even know these types of degrees or whatever, like these were things that you could study. What was it called? Spiritual? Well, transpersonal psychology, actually. But it's really it's it's, it's almost the psychology of, of, of the spirit and, and how we interact with the energies of others, which, you know, energy field spirit. There the was something thing. else, though, didn't you say? Uh, well, applied spirituality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There right. we go. That was a particular certificate 
okay. uh, that was embedded within the transpersonal psychology degree also got uh, re received a certificate of regression hypnosis there also, which started that whole hypnotherapy path. Uh, but let me let me mention something about how I found Atlantic University because I wasn't, I still was not aware that I was working toward spiritual awakening. I was in the middle of what we now call spiritual crisis at that point, and I'm sure your listeners are, are familiar with that term. If not, we can go into it. But I had no idea I was at that point. Uh, I found Atlantic University online, and they had uh, some of the best and only courses where they studied the paranormal at a graduate level. Okay. Mm. Uh, and so I'd always been interested in uh, the paranormal, uh, but a very uh, um, materialistic type viewpoint, you know, from a uh, empirical level. Okay. Does it exist? How can we prove it? Can I get it on camera type thing? And so, boy, <laughs> I think Lloyd Arbach uh, still teaches that there. He's pretty renowned uh, paranormal investigator. Uh, so anyway, that's how I found my way to Atlanta University. However, that course was not being offered. So I'll take some other courses. Uh, and all the courses, or at least most of the courses at Atlanta University, they're not only growth outside yourself, but primarily you have to do that work within yourself in each one of these courses. And so, okay, uh, you know, all right, I'll do this kind of begrudgingly. Uh, you know, and I jumped in and started doing the work on myself and it just, it just snowballed. Uh, mm. I became aware of who I was and found my own purpose in life. We might talk in, uh, about that uh, shortly, but, uh, but we have to do the work on ourselves before we can really work with others. If our job purpose calling is to be a healer, which mine is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So you were, were you taking courses with Atlantic while you were getting your, uh, with the, is it a master's? Yeah, clinical social work Yeah, is yeah. what I was doing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had done it at Atlantic University for uh, about a year and decided, well, no, I want to do really hands-on uh, work, primarily with the VA at that time is what I was planning on doing. And so I enrolled uh, the master's program there and only did it for two semesters because life intervened. Again, another nudge from the guide. I have no doubt. No, <laughs> that's not right for me. We had to move uh, back up to Virginia to help with some family uh, challenges at that point and couldn't continue with the master's social work. Went back to Atlanta University uh, and then the rest is history. Just uh, really found my stride at that point. What was it about the coursework that was so profound for you? Was there like anything in particular or was it just kind of a an accumulation of all of the things that you were learning? I would think it's an accumulation, but one of the first courses I took uh, was by uh, Professor Ray Mathis. Uh, she actually used to be a mathematician for NASA, very, very talented uh, individual, but it was on a spiritual emergency. Okay. And then you talked about, and, and Stanislav Grof and, and Christina Grof, they, they published books back. And I, I don't know if your listeners are probably familiar with Stanislav Grof as a renowned psychiatrist, did a lot of work with uh, psychedelics and et cetera. But, but he uh, coined the term spiritual emergency, spiritual crisis right there. And, and it was actually adopted uh, by the, uh, the psychologist organization. It's in the DSM now, spiritual emergency. Anyway, um, I figured out that's what I was going through. I was, <laughs> I was in a spiritual crisis. Ah, that opened the door then to do my own work, to do my own healing, because that was a response to figuring out where I was. And that just completely opened the floodgate at that point. So let's talk about what 
spiritual crisis is since we've brought it in so much. Cause I'm sure that there are folks who don't know. And I mean, I think even for myself, I didn't fully understand what I was going through until I got to the other side because, you know, in my spiritual awakening, whatever, and I'm certainly still in it. Um, I kind of think that we're always going through some spiritual awakening once we like, once the lid gets blown off. That's right. Once that bell gets rung. We just keep climbing. Um, but, uh, and it was, it was surprising for me because I had always been a very spiritual person Mm -hmm. and I had always had a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so I think it took me a really long time to understand that I was going through a spiritual emergency or crisis or awakening, whatever. But I'd love, yeah, I'd love for you to, um, to, to share that with I'll, us. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. I, I always uh, work with my client, working with my clients, I say awareness is 95% of getting to that part of healing for whatever challenge we're talking to. Uh, and likewise, with our spiritual awakening, once we realize that that's what's going on, we can then embrace it and work with it. And that's essentially what, uh, what Groff wrote about. You know, there's a spectrum, spiritual emergency. Oh my goodness, it's just out of control, uh, variety of things can br- bring that up. And where I was, which was kind of the other end of the spectrum, uh, the spiritual crisis, more, I don't know what's going on. I mean, yes, I can function, uh, but I'm not easy with myself. I'm not easy with my family, et cetera. And so then, but again, it's the awareness. Once you figure out that's where you are, then you can do the reading, you can get the help, you can get the therapy to then work with that. Um, certainly it's harder if it manifests in that spiritual emergency where you are just not functional and, and things are on such a, a huge roller coaster. It, it, it's, it's hard. You have to cage that particular uh, challenge set first, okay, to, to bring someone back more into a consensus reality situation that then they can work with uh, what is manifesting. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, awareness for me is I'm so thankful for it. You know, years and years ago when I was like in my early 20s and I was trying to understand why I was functioning so different in college than my classmates. And Mm -hmm. um, and I had been diagnosed with ADHD, but I really didn't know much about it. And I, um, you know, when I was like in eighth grade and all I thought of it was like hyperactivity, which never really fully aligned with me. Um, Yeah, Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was put on Ritalin and that was like horrible. So I refused to take that, but it started popping back up in my life. And, you know, I went in and went through the whole psychological rundown and they were like, Mm -hmm. yes, ADHD. And I wasn't excited about that, but just being told what it was I was kind of working through, um, was so helpful for me. Very helpful. Cause then I could yeah, go out and get educated and like yeah. learn mm-hmm. about it and, and, you know, um, <laughs> make adjustments where necessary. Um, of course now I joke that since I've learned like my human design and my astrology chart <laughs> and all that, I'm like, no wonder I'm like considered ADHD. Like, <laughs> but that helps. That helps understand who you are. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you have to work with that. It's when you fight against that, um, that uh, it becomes much more of a challenge. Yeah, much. super problematic. And I yeah. think that, you know, with the spiritual awakening um, and, and coming to these things in life, uh, 
I heard it was a really, and I, I was trying to think of her name while you were talking and, and stay focused. Um, but I heard on a podcast just, it was like a week and a half ago. Um, maybe her name will come back to me, but she was talking about, you know, when we're going through life and we feel really lost, that that's a really good thing. That means we're on the right path. And that was huge because I felt like certainly thinking back through that first year, that was the number one thing that I would have said I felt like was just lost. Yeah, and I had yeah. never really felt lost in my life, but I was just, and I, I saw it as a negative, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of realizing like, this is a really beautiful place to be. Like you were talking about like, yeah. you know, the, the spiritual crisis, right? Yeah. It's, that opens you up to being open. Okay, I'm lost. What do you do when you're lost? You're looking, you're searching. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a really yeah. good thing. And I think yeah. it's interesting too, like in your life, and I feel like, you know, every person that I've spoken with, <laughs> it always comes after a huge event of some kind, whether it's a health crisis or, you know, we humans, we're just so freaking hard headed. <laughs> yeah, we are a funny species. We really are. Yeah. The universe is like throwing, you know, snowballs okay. at us. And we're we, like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we're going to give you slow pitches first, but if we have to, we'll throw that fastball. <laughs> we're just dodging. Totally. Don't make me come down. Oh no. I think that that idea was nothing. It's not, you know, right. until right. here it is. Um, so what was it specifically that like got you focused on hypnotherapy and you were like, this is what I want to do? I, I had uh, about a year left at Atlantic university and I was looking for, um, something just a little bit more concrete. It kind of speaks with how I am wired. And you talked about human design. I'm a manifesto generator, Enneagram type three. I'm a doer. What is I your like profile? Do you know? Uh, for Enneagram? Yeah. No, no, no. For the um, human design. Human design. I'll have to, I'll, I'll email that to you okay. right there. But I'm a manifester generator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, very much. I think that I can manifest, but I'm really a doer. Okay. <laughs> but I can, I can do some creative doing. That's what really a manifester generator means right there. And we, and we need to honor that and take advantage of that. Uh, but uh, I actually uh, went down, uh, was, was still in the middle of my, crisis. I'd never come out of that. I mean, the whole time as I was doing my own work at, at, at Ling University. And, and I went down to a retreat uh, down in Costa Rica. Um, and right there, they practice uh, plant medicine at that retreat right there. Um, called to do that. My guides again nudged me. And at the end of that, I, I, I came back with a clarity of purpose uh, and uh, enrolled both in the applied spirituality certificate, which was optional, and in the hypnotherapy certificate. And the first hypnotherapy practice session that I was doing, we practice on each other, uh, the students. Um, the, uh, the, the lady that I was working with went into a severe uh, ab reaction into a past life. But instead of getting freaked out, oh my God, where's the instructor, please take over. It was, it was second nature, I was completely guided. Uh, to do what I needed to do to help her through that as a facilitator, as a guide through that experience. And it was just automatic. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And it was a fit. Uh, and so, you know, I finished up all the coursework there and then went on for a variety of uh, other uh, certificates and certifications within hypnotherapy. Uh, but, but I also, I want to mention uh, another course that I took that's very valuable 
And it was being a teacher of finding, helping one find their purpose in life. That was part of the applied uh, spirituality uh, degree that I also got at the university. And that particular course with my new awareness that I had cultivated, worked for, uh, let me find what my purpose was in this life. First, you look for an ideal. My ideal was kindness. Okay. An ideal is what resonates with your heart, what resonates with your soul. What are you here primarily to work with, work on, work around? Okay. The ideal. And then you try to um, essentially make that into more of an action statement. Uh, and my purpose ended up being to bring kindness to those in despair. Okay. And then with that, you know, headline, that's kind of, and, and, it, and it still fits today. Uh, then I figure out, well, how can I, working with who I am, do that? And uh, hypnotherapy turned out to be the perfect modality. Wow. That's really, you make me want to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's very valuable. Yeah. Well, it sounds like school that's actually helpful. I hate to say it, but I mean, like, what a valuable thing to learn and yeah. within a frame of like school. So, I'm sure you're doing this with other classmates, you know, yeah, you're sharing right. these ideas, you're helping each other. So it's not like you have to go through life and bump and, you know, like fall apart and whatever in order to like stumble across it. And then you're not even really sure. Like that sounds incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so something that you mentioned, and I had wanted to bring this up a little bit later, but we can go ahead and dive into it now is the relationship with your guides. Mm. So it's something that, you know, in my working with you that I think was immediate. And mm -hmm. even from like the first consultation that I had with you that you really have um, a solid relationship with your spiritual team. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know like how that came about and like where you met them on your path. Um, um, golly, uh, it, it has been a gradual thing and because of my uh, inability or reticence to open up. Oh, and, and you've heard this uh, likely with other people on your show right there. That's uh, we have to uh, allow ourselves to open. And then all we have to do is ask the question. And they're there. Everyone is guided. Everyone has multiple guides. Usually you have a primary guide, but we won't go into that. Uh, and, and, you know, I do too. And I just had to first open up, okay, accept that, yes, I can communicate with my guide, and then just ask the questions. And, I, you know, the mechanism is fairly simple. Just put yourself in a, in a deep meditative state uh, and then just uh, uh, trust that they're going to be there. They always are. Uh, and then ask the questions right there. And I guess it happened about four years ago, but I didn't know what to call or who to call or who my guides were, what to call them. Um, actually, I, I, I take that back. It happened the first time seven years ago. And my guide came to me uh, when we were living in Florida and said, you need to move back to Virginia. Okay. And, and okay, I got to do what? Uh, I was in, you know, and I wasn't even in a meditative, I was eating breakfast. Okay. On a, you know, <laughs> so, but all of a sudden, but I, you know, my Did mind. Did you hear this? Uh, or? Yeah. came very clearly through me. And I got on the internet, found out that there was a house available two doors down that just come on the market for my daughter. Okay. Long story short, we moved here within a month. Our daughter ended up getting pregnant. She's had two wonderful babies uh, since then. I'm, you know, grandfather, uh, actually I've got four granddaughters. 
but I don't think she would have had her children if we had not have moved back here anyway. But that was that was one of those nudges uh, and one of those serendipitous moments that if you just put yourself in quiet and you're open, because at that point, I'd already done quite a bit of work on myself and I was open to it. I just never I never thought, well, who am I to be able to contact or communicate with a guide? I mean, what's so special about me? I'm not special. I'm not. Okay, but that's that keeps you from moving into that communication. Okay, why not you? Why not me? Everyone can. Yeah. How did you know it was a guide and like wasn't just like a random voice in your head? Was it just that clear? A knowing, absolutely, that clear and a knowing right there. And 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 then uh, later on when I uh, developed a, a little bit more of a, a set routine contact my guide. The, the way the guides contact me, first, I get a, a somatic indication on my left cheek uh, with my primary guide, who is Charles, with me. And he was with me right before the, our interview uh, today. He's with me right now. Uh, but they they will answer a question for me uh, before I get the question thought, before that question materializes in a, in a coherent thought form. I will get the answer, okay? I will say, well, what it... Okay. And then, you know, fill in the blank. No. And then I'll get the download. And I don't like using the term download. It's, it's, it's different than that. It's, it's, it's just that knowing uh, within your being uh, that, that that's the answer. Yeah. Interesting. But, but we have a variety of guys. You can, you can ask for a guy for a particular situation and they'll come in. Now you, I will caution you need to watch what you ask for, watch who you're asking Okay. Only ask for those guides who are of the highest level from the guide, from the light, etc. cetera. Uh, because there are many, many, many spirits outside our particular dimension who will love to communicate with you. Yeah. So you've built such a strong relationship with them now. So you can just kind of like communicate fluidly when you need to. Yeah, I wouldn't call it quite fluid. I still have to go into that meditative state to be able to hear the answers. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you like meditation, those kinds mm -hmm. of things? Yeah. Variety of meditations. Yeah. Uh, usually it's just the prana, the breath following, but I also have done transcendental meditation. I've done, you name it. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite type is just quieting the mind and just going within at this yeah. and listening. Yeah. Learning to get centered is not easy. It yeah. takes time. <laughs> no, it, it, it's work. It is work. It is, you know, constant work. Yeah. That's awesome. So this, I mean, I guess I, I just, um, especially when I think about someone who has, you know, such a strong military background, mm -hmm. diving into like hypnotherapy mm -hmm. and having such a strong relationship with his guides, it's like, it's such an interesting story to me. So the, the concept of guides and these things like did it just come to you or had you like read about it or maybe like you heard about it quite a bit with um, Atlantic University or? You did. Although, I mean, Atlantic University, they, you know, very, they're accredited institution. They have to be very careful the line they walk right there. But uh, when you start doing the work on yourself, you, you read about the guides that, uh, that are available, uh, the, the archangels uh, and depending on your spirituality. I mean, some people, uh, already know that, for instance, Jesus is there to help them if they're from the Christian uh, religion, etc., or Buddha if they're Buddha, or, or Krishna if they're Hindu. It doesn't matter. 
Uh, but those those big field guides, those big fields of energies, and everything's a field of energy, uh, the archetypes, okay, uh, they I mean, pick up a religious document. They talk about those right there. So, I mean, the guides are always here. Now, again, most of us think, who am I, right? Who am <laughs> I to be able to contact my God? Well, why not you? They they just want, they they are here all the time trying to communicate with us. All yeah, absolutely. The way that I, that I try to explain them to people, I'm like, think about like you're playing a soccer game yeah. and you've got all of your best teammates, you know, the, yeah. the people, the best on the team, like on the sidelines and you're out there playing alone. Like you have to call them in, but they all really want to play. All <laughs> really want to play. That can create some challenges too. We might go into that later in this, in this talk right here. But uh, again, it was... Um, you know, I had to accept that my early life and my current life are, are two different lives, essentially. Uh, and when I made that choice, and it was, we all have a choice right there. The will is the fundamental aspect of the soul. Um, when I made that choice, when I stepped across that, that, that paradigm line, uh, again, there was no going back. Uh, and uh, then it just kept opening. Things just kept opening. And they still do today. Yeah, that red pill or blue pill. Once yeah. you once you take, once you go, <laughs> but it's, once you it's start opening up, it's like fully committing leveling. to it too. Fully committing and, and 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 that's true. Going into it and doing the work uh, from the heart. Uh, you know, we commit from the heart, really. You know, if we're committing from the brain, that's not really a commitment. You know, that's it's a passing commitment. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, without the commitment, it doesn't go very far at all. You've got to um, do that commitment. And then the first step leads to the second step, second to the third, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. becomes like a part-time job, full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> I had never intended to be a full-time hypnotherapist. That was not, I didn't have that, but that's where my path led me. And I just trusted, Yeah, trusted my path. Yeah. So let's talk about what hypnotherapy is for those who aren't familiar, maybe have just kind of heard about it. You know, I think that I know for a lot of people who don't fully understand hypnotherapy, they're thinking about, you know, the things that have been on TV and people yeah. are hypnotized to like yeah. be goofy or, yeah. um, and I've really found, you know, especially since working with you and sharing with others that I'm doing hypnotherapy, that there's a lot of fear mm -hmm. around it. Um, but I'd love to start with a definition. Um, it's just an altered state of consciousness is all it is. It's a, it's a getting the various parts of your mind, and I say that very purposefully, uh, relaxed enough uh, to then open up what we call the critical factor and think of it as a trap door to the unconscious. And people use the subconscious and deep unconscious. I just use, say the unconscious is just easier. And uh, so you get the individual relaxed. And I also want to emphasize all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. You have to want to be hypnotized. You'll see the stage hypnosis doing their, their trade up there and they do it very well. And you'll, but they'll ask for volunteers from the audience, you know, and then they'll get, you know, 50 or 60% of the audience. Yeah. Okay. Well, they volunteer to be hypnotized and they're very suggestible at that point. And so they listen to the suggestions and they go into that altered state of consciousness. We could talk brainwave states. I mean, you and I are talking in the beta wave state primarily. All of these brainwave states are kind of going on at all times, uh, but predominance is beta wave. When we go into the theta wave, that's the light sleep, that's the light hypnosis, 
Okay. Uh, that's kind of the daydream stage, the highway hypnosis, getting lost in a book, getting lost into a movie. Uh, that's again, a light form hypnosis. And what I do in, in, in my sessions, I try to get my clients down into the theta wave state, which is the dream state. Okay. And that's where we really have that critical factor, the trap door to the unconscious opened up. Now, why do we do that? Uh, because our unconscious holds every thought, every feeling, every sensation that we've had in this life and in all the other lives. Okay, it doesn't matter what the client believes. I'm very upfront at the beginning. We're going to find what we're going to find. We deal with what emerges. That's a, the number one rule. And so I'm very upfront. We might find past life memories. We might find other things. We, we, we'll go into that uh, perhaps later in the, uh, the interview. But once we opened up that critical factor, once we go into the unconscious, we have access to all there is within essentially the soul repository of the individual. Think of how vast that is. It's, it's, it's huge. Again, this life and every other life. So again, hypnosis is just getting that person to relax enough, move down into the theta wave state uh, to, uh, to access what we do. And why do we do that? Because those are where the energies lie that create the challenges within our life. And, and we'll likely get into that a little bit, but the emotional triggers that you know, that you've heard about with normal talk therapy, et cetera, uh, PTSD energies, addiction energies, et cetera. They all reside deep within that subconscious, not unconscious. So we use hypnotherapy. It's just one method. There's lots of other methods of altered state of consciousness. You know, meditations, another one right there. Plant medicines, another one. Drumming, uh, shamanic drummings, beautiful one that's used, you know, with the journeying, shamanic journeying that you can do. Um, but my favorites. Yeah. But I chose hypnotherapy because it's targeted. Why? Because you have a guide, you have a facilitator that helps you maneuver through these vast regions, uh, in order to find what needs to be both shared and released. Yeah. And you have, um, you and I've kind of spoken about this before, like the modality that you use is a little bit different than at least what I've heard from others in regards to hypnotherapy, yeah. that typically when they go in, they're going in, um, you know, to jump immediately back into past lives yeah. and be able to experience past life and like work through some things. Um, you know, whatever it is that they're dealing with at the time. Whereas uh, with your work, it's very different. It's like, you know, in my experience with you, we kind of go in and hang out with my higher self <laughs> and higher self is directing in regards to where we should go or what needs to, what needs to be brought to the surface to heal. Yeah. Um, can you kind of talk a, about your modality specifically? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great question. It's a huge, important question too. Uh, and you brought up the term higher self. Um, let's talk a little bit about what soul-centered healing is first. You know, um, I mean, soul-centered healing essentially deals with. Um, and this is your modality. The modality. Okay. Let, let me let me back up even farther. Um, I was taught the classical hypnosis techniques. Uh, whether, you know, it's inner child work 
whether it's the past life regression to go in and, and, and then try to figure out if there are some energies related to a past life that we've brought forth into this life that are causing challenges, et cetera. You know, essentially it's sharing release, but it's very targeted into a past life. Uh, two years ago, I started reading a book uh, by Dr. Tom Zinzer. Uh, and these books, uh, there's the three of them, and it's essentially called Soul-Centered Healing, okay, which is what you just mentioned. That modality uses the higher self as the workhorse within its uh, basic protocols, okay. Uh, Dr. Zinzer uh, is a retired clinical psychologist. Uh, he's up in Michigan right now. He's actually mentored me for the last two years too, which was uh, just a, an incredible gift. I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, but he uh, cut his teeth as a young end psychologist initially, but essentially went in working with multiple personality disorders, the very, very challenged individuals. Okay. Got into ego state work. We might talk a little bit about that in, in a second. Uh, but was led to a broader understanding of treating those with multiple personalities uh, by, believe it or not, a guide that was channeled from a bookkeeper. Are you following this so far? So he was working with a bookkeeper in his practice. She came to him one day and said, well, you know what? My guide might be able to help you with some of your clients. Okay. And he took it uh, kind of as a leap of faith. Okay, well, I'll try this. And as it turned out, that guide was able to give direct information on how to help these clients. And that guide, who was called Jared, uh, led Tom through this, this journey of, uh, of growth uh, and the genesis of what later became a soul-centered healing modality. So what is that modality? It makes use of one's higher self, inner helper, uh, wiser being, it's called a variety of things, depending on whether you're talking normal psychology or whether you're talking more of a spiritual event psychology, but we call it the higher self and you're familiar with that. But it's that the active part of your soul for this incarnation. Okay. It is very much the soul for this incarnation, but it's not all the soul. It's just think of it as the active part. It is the light that is within and everyone has a higher self without fail. Okay, sometimes problems accessing the higher self. So as you mentioned, we, we use that higher self in order to figure out what's best to work on or uh, to essentially coax those parts that are reticent to do the work within us. Okay, and I probably should say something about ego state work in general uh, for your listeners, uh, but maybe we'll approach that here in just a second. Feel free uh, to share. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about I mean, self-centered healing is really, it, it has taken uh, the work by Swartz and others, Emerson, that, that are more the classic ego state uh, therapist and has expanded it without the boundaries of materialism, okay? Can't go into the spiritual side. Oh my gosh, past life? No way. That doesn't exist. We can't taste it, measure it, prove it. We're going to ignore it, okay? But these classical ego state therapists, and, and there's also one called Internal Family Systems, and they they are doing great work even today. Um, they they know that within us we have uh, parts of ourselves, subpersonalities, and you've heard of that. Certainly, with the dissociated identity disorder, multiple personality, that's the extreme end of a subpersonality, subpersonality that takes over the entire executive, and then 
the other parts of us don't even remember what happened. Okay, extreme end. Most of us are on the other end. We all have these subpersonalities. We all have these parts. Now, depending on what school that you subscribe to or read, uh, a lot of people say that even in our conscious self, we have parts of ourselves and they're all well integrated. I call it the conscious audience, our happy self, our uh, pissed off self when someone cut me off in driving, you, you get frames of mind. Okay, most of them subscribe that, that we have this uh, within our conscious self. But frankly, that's not what we work with uh, when we do work together. We work with those parts of ourselves that have been buried in the unconscious. Now, why do we do that? Why is a, a, a part of ourself even buried in the unconscious? Again, we have a, there's a function within our mind, and, and we call it the protective part, but there's many other uh, schools of psychology uh, that, that have named it. It's kind of a, uh, a gatekeeper within our mind. And, but this protective part, when we have trauma, when we have something that's just too tough for us to hold that energy in our conscious self, once that situation is over, a part of herself will be broken off and buried into her unconscious, holding that energy, that trauma energy. Um, I can, let me give you an example of, of a typical uh, ego part that has been buried uh, and then what might manifest from it. Uh, and I think I might have told you this when we first started working together, but I'll go for, uh, very briefly. Uh, think of a two-year-old being babysat, okay? Babysat, the normal 14-year-old babysitter means well, doing great things, put the two-year-old in a crib with a bottle, closes the door, goes out, starts watching something very loud on the TV. Well, the two-year-old's very happy until the two-year-old drops the bottle. Bottle falls out of the crib. Two-year-old starts crying. Babysitter's out there watching something loud, doesn't hear it. Two-year-old's crying louder and louder, louder. Finally, the two-year-old's just screaming, screeching. Babysitter hears, comes back in, hugs a two-year-old, loves a two-year-old, gives a two-year-old the bottle, puts a two-year-old back to bed. Well, that two-year-old, in this example, has now said, ah, I'm okay, I'm safe. Protective part says, we don't need that energy of thinking I'm going to starve and I've been abandoned down into the unconscious. Created a subpersonality, a two-year-old subpersonality that thought I've been abandoned, I'm going to starve, I'm going to die. No one's here to take care of me, okay? Fast forward 20 years, 22-year-old he, she is in a restaurant, supposed to meet a date, okay? Date doesn't show up, calls, doesn't answer the phone. All of a sudden, that two-year-old, that 22-year-old is now being triggered by these unrealistic feelings of, of panic. Oh my goodness, I've been abandoned, I'm gonna starve. I'm going to start, I'm in a restaurant, right? <laughs> but you see what's happening. It's the triggers from that two-year-old that live still in the unconscious that are bubbling up right there. And, and so, you know, typically, not typically, most of us don't have those really extreme ones, unless we've been through that trauma. Uh, and, and, and most of the ego states of personalities are made before the age of 12. Some people say before the age of seven. Uh, but I, I find in my practice, usually it's 12 and four. But that doesn't mean that ones can't be made later in life. Think PTSD with combat soldiers, you know. Again, I mean, you know, protect a part, break off that combat part. We don't need to have that in conscious self, bury it. But when you bury it, it's still there. It still can trigger. When a like event happens, that is triggered. Those energies are still present. And so the... The difference between like 
working with the ego state and working with the soul centered is, or are they the same, like going in and... They are the same. I would say the soul centered healing modality has taken the classical ego state works, which is kind of what I just described. And that's what Swartz and Emerson and, and, and the others do now. Uh, they keep it within the boundaries, but soul-centered healing takes off the boundaries. Okay. Now that we've gone into the unconscious, I mean, what we find is ego states called subpersonalities. What we also find once we go there is that sometimes these ego states are not alone. There has been intrusion by other spirits or other dimensional beings. Okay. Uh, you can also have disruptions of the subtle energy centers by these ego states or by the intruding energies also. Uh, so, I mean, it, it becomes almost infinite what you can find within soul center here, because again, we've taken those boundaries off. We don't care about the materialistic definitions. We don't care about being able to prove that this is there, or at least theoretically within the materialistic paradigm, stay neatly within that. We just automatically step outside we deal with what emerges because we deal with what emerges it just doesn't matter okay we can work with it and that's the way to to work toward healing the uh the other approaches i mean if you look at at, at how they're structured they really work through some mental gymnastics to be able to stay within those those confines uh and but i know that practitioners out uh you know doing the work i mean they step outside but they can't because of licensing uh, challenges or because of uh, a peer pressure uh, by uh, by other practitioners, they can't really talk about it as much. But so I'd love to talk about past lives. Um, yeah. Like you kind of mentioned, uh, it's it's well. First, I should just say in the general public, it's not one of these things that's readily accepted. Mm -hmm. um, certainly within religious communities, um, which I find really fascinating. Because I learned last year, actually, that the Catholic Church used to talk about past life, just like they talked about anything else um, before it was pulled from the church, you know, because, of course, they could control more people with like, you got one life. Um, but I'd love to I'd love to like first, I, I'm curious to know how it is that you share with folks who don't believe in past lives? Like, what is it that you share with them to educate them on and or help them to maybe be open or believe or whatever the case may be about past lives? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm very upfront that we do deal with what emerges and, and what I have seen, this is like my first consultation with clients of, what I have seen are the, the four categories, the ego states, the uh, intrusion by energies that don't appear to be our energies, uh, the disruption within the subtle bodies, uh, and then uh, also past life conflicts, past life energies, okay? And I say that, you know, based upon your religion, and we'll talk a little bit about Christianity here in a second, if you'd like to. Uh, but based upon the religion, they can treat that as a metaphor. They don't need to take that as um, as it, it it exactly happened, exactly like that. And yes, I was, you know, the the wife of of, of you know Henry the Eighth, and it didn't end well uh, for me. Okay, <laughs> um, you don't have to do that. Uh, you can treat it as a metaphor. You know, it, the the bottom line with the healing that I do is, does it work? Okay, does it help the person have more clarity? 
Does it have the person help the person have more comfort, uh, more compassion for themselves, more awareness right there? And that's what we're striving for. And so that's what I, I mean, that's why clients come to me. Okay. Because they're, they're having challenges in one of those particular areas right there. So I say, just treat it as a metaphor. It's, it doesn't matter. Uh, but we will work with that metaphor to release the energies to make you more whole, you know, and, and they're good with that. And, and you mentioned with Christianity before about 550 Christ, uh, reincarnation was part of the, uh, the, the Christianity just as a given right there. And it was likely, I can't read the motivation to the, the rulers at that point, likely as a control mechanism. Uh, there, there was a lot of strange things that happened uh, with the, the religion at that point, uh, not necessarily for the better right there. Before, before that point, it was very much of an experiential type religion, you know, that you could find the Christ within you because that's, you know, Christ conscious, unity consciousness, the same thing. Uh, but then that power was taken away from the individual and no, you have to go to a church. You have to go to priest, et cetera, et cetera. So go elsewhere. We can, we we can have get to, into no. a whole discussion about all that. Yeah, oh, I know it. I know, but that's not the purpose <laughs> of today. Uh, no, no. Anyway. So it's not, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's interesting. So they don't have to believe in the past life, Mm-mm. you know, mechanism yeah. in order to to work through and be healed. In the midst Absolutely of it. not. Uh, but it, but we will find past life energies within almost every individual. I say almost. Some people don't have to work at that level, uh, but most do. I, I will say something else, and what I I, I do, what I have found. Uh, with these past life energies, they are really past life ego states. Okay, they are trauma from a past life that wasn't resolved, that is still within that unconscious and has to be. And that past life uh, could have been multiple past lives. That could have been, you know, within that individual's unconscious, working through a variety of lives, try, maybe trying to solve that problem set from different angles and maybe not getting resolved. Okay, so when we do a past life regression. Uh, what, in, in my opinion, and, and, and a lot of people might differ with this, in my opinion, what we're doing is we're, we are just finding that energy uh, in the form of an ego state. Now, we can use that ego state to go through that entire past life or past lives, even if we want to follow that thread. Typically, I don't feel that that needs to be done within the healing for the client once we find the energies that that past life holds, whether it's shame, terror, or threat, you, you get it. Uh, we can release that energy without having to relive that whole life uh, and the demise. Uh, and that differs a lot from classical past life regression therapists a lot. That's that's where we take a different uh, point of view right there. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely noticed that difference like in my reading mm-hmm. for hypnotherapy. So you mentioned, and I'm curious, um, you mentioned that some people don't have to go to their past lives in order to, You're right. to heal. Is that because maybe they don't have as many or they didn't accumulate trauma or <laughs> I guess all of my <laughs> healing has been past life <laughs> thus far. So I'm like, wait a minute. I thought that would be normal. <laughs> yeah. When we do work together, when I, uh, when I accept the client, client accepts me, it, I explain the, the, the metaphor of the onion. Okay, we have to work layer by layer. We can't go to the center of the onion. There is no pixie dust solution. I wish there was. Uh, but we have to go layer by layer. So we go with what presents based upon the manifestation that the, uh, the challenge that the client came. Let's say the challenge says, I am having thoughts of guilt or shame. Okay, so we approach the first layer of guilt and shame. 
And it might be a past life, but it might not, might be this life, okay? Uh, again, we never direct and we never guess what's gonna emerge. We just deal with what emerges first, using the higher self as that workhorse, uh, working uh, with the highest good of the client. What needs to be unpeeled essentially first, right there. And some clients get that, let's call it guilt, shame, manifestation resolved without ever having to go in a past life. Perhaps that had already been resolved in a past life and had reemerged because of an event in this life. I mean, I'm just making examples here, uh, but you never know. Again, you don't guess where you're going to go. You just deal with wherever you find yourself. And it's the higher self who's really leading us into these well, areas. Well, kind of, kind of. The higher self is not a chooser. Okay, and this is where a lot of, again, where myself and other, uh, other uh, hypnotherapists uh, not disagree, but kind of venture off on different paths. Um, the higher self here knows the plan for your soul for this incarnation, right? And, and, and also has access to the whole repository of soul information from all the other past lives and the life in between right there. But there's a certain thing called the will Okay, and I mentioned this earlier in this thing. The will is the fundamental attribute of a life, of the soul, in order to be that creator. Okay, the will, by, by definition, if you have a will, you have to have choices. And if you have choices, you can create. You can choose this, this side or that side. And so that is just the fundamental aspect of creation, to have that will, to have the choices, and to go out and just do wherever it's going to lead you. Okay, we make some good choices, we make some bad choices. Maybe they're not bad, they're just, well, more difficult choices, right? Uh, <laughs> so, but the, the higher self is not going to impose a will. The will is of our conscious self here. This is what we assume, this is what we uh, have agreed to in this incarnation in order for us to create. So, essentially, we have, uh, you know, the conscious self as the kind of decider and we should be listening to our higher self for the guidance okay and that's what we do within a session too i mean certainly uh the client to this can decide let's go back to the same guilt you know what i don't really feel up to working shame and guilt okay today or any other day thank you it's just too hard higher self is not going to make that person go in and work the shame or guilt you you get the distinction right there there has to be a conscious decision. Yes, I'm willing to do this work. And then the higher self said, thank you. Now let's get ABC done. Okay. And that's how we use the higher self uh, in order to, to peel back the correct onion at the correct, uh, correct layer of the onion at the correct time. Hmm. So essentially, um, essentially like the will is what is really guiding the therapy and the it, healing in and of itself. Yeah, the will. I mean, that the attribute of the will, I say, um, I would say guides, I would say is a container for what, what happens okay. uh, it, within the therapy is a better way to it. For instance, let's talk an ego state. Okay. Ego state rests in its uh, ego state is a consciousness. Okay. It's not just a uh, psychological manifestation, which, which is partly true, but it is a conscious, it rests in its own time and space within our unconscious. And it also has its will. Okay. The higher self will not go against the will of that ego state. 
Okay. Higher self might show us that the ego state is there and holding a particular type of energy, shame, guilt, we'll just keep that one. Um, but if that higher self, if that ego state is not ready to share, can't share for whatever reason, it gets very complicated. The higher self's not going to make it. Okay. The will uh, is what's there. And, and we might talk a little bit about what happens when certain energies uh, try to uh, suppress one's will. Okay. And we might go into that a little bit later in this talk, if you want to, <laughs> which is, which is what I can, I consider the, the definition of evil. Okay. You know, well, now we have to talk just, about it. I just laid it out there for Killing you. Me. Right there. Yeah, that's okay. I, so again, we said that the will is the fundamental container for the, the soul, fundamental container for the ego, fundamental container for our conscious self, which is made up of all the parts of ourself, right? I just want to make sure that like we don't go too deep so folks like can fully understand, you know, what it is that you're you're talking about here. Yeah. Um, because I think that even for my own mind, like talking about ego states and will and all these different things, it gets pretty confusing pretty quick mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in regards to just trying to keep up with it all. Yeah, so, well, that might be a better idea just to kind of double back and then and, and maybe review some of the things that you have questions about of what I've already covered. This modality is very complex. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that um, I feel like, OK, so. Let's, you just talked about something being evil, <laughs> which I think is something that we should review. Um, then I kind of want to get into some benefit, like, you know, the types of things that people would want to come to you for. Right. Um, right. The reasons why they would say, I want to do hypnotherapy. Um, but since you brought up the word evil, I feel like we have to. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 cover that at a very uh, I'm not going to say surface level, but a very basic level, which is is, is going to be useful right there. Again, um, what is evil? Okay. Again, my uh, understanding of evil, and this is partially what Jared has shared, but my other readings also. It's when the will is taken away from an individual, whether it's a murder, whether it's a rape, whether it's a theft, where it's you know, you name it. I mean, it, and so evil is, is when that will has been taken away, has been, you know, you forced your will on another. There's another way to look at it right there. Um, there are, I mean, we, we, we can do evil in this world. We have evil done to us in this world. We see people on the news every day that have decided to act in evil ways, right? Okay. Um, we can't discuss evil without the discussion of darkness, too, darkness and light. All right. So it's the yin-yang. We have the light, Christ consciousness, primarily how I work. And it, 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 in fact, it's completely how I work within my practice. But then we have the darkness. Okay. Darkness is not evil. Remember I said evil is uh, taking the will away. Okay from from something or someone right there um but evil happens in the darkness evil won't happen in the light evil won't happen within that 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 christ consciousness so what let me talk a little bit about what is light first because that's central to also what we do in soul-centered healing remember we use the higher self to kind of figure out what's going on uh, to help direct us but the primary method 
of bringing healing is to bring the light to these ego states or to other energies within the individual. Now, what is the light? The light is love, essentially. But think of a mother's love taken to an infinite degree, and that is the light, okay? That is who we are at our core. Our higher self is the light within us. Our higher self, our soul is light, okay? It is just the love, and you've heard this in, in many, many different ways right there, whether you're talking to NDE or OB, et cetera, right there. So you have the light, but then you also have the darkness. And the darkness is an equally primordial force. It is the absence of light. Darkness is not evil, although evil happens in the darkness. That is, that is the, uh, where those energies, lower vibrational, that then cause one to act in a way to take the will away from someone, that's where they happen within the darkness. Any questions about the light and the darkness first? No. Okay. Now, as above and so below, there is light and darkness above, okay? You wouldn't know light without the darkness. Then likewise, within soul-centered healing, we have what we call a dark side within us, Jungian shadow. You're familiar with that, and likely most of your readers. And it's essentially a part within us that holds all those undesirable traits often, or at least where those traits manifest when they manifest, um, you know, whether it's deceit and uh, murderous thoughts, you know, the, the, you name it right there. Uh, but it's a necessary part of ourselves also. We wouldn't fully appreciate or understand even what the light is without moving through that shadow, without moving through that darkness, okay? And so uh, within soul-centered healing, that's a, a very uh, important part is to look at those parts within the darkness in the individual to bring light to those parts, to move them out of the darkness, to move them to that infinite mother's love, white light, the healing, which is the way to healing right there. Um, let me just give you an example of, of how we work with a particular ego because I think this will help. Uh, the listeners. An ego state is, is, is living in fear, for instance, shame, guilt. Uh, that ego state holds a particular memory of when it was created. Remember the two-year-old example earlier right there. Uh, and then that ego state needs to let go of that energy in order to move to healing. Okay. What is healing in this case? Healing is integration into the conscious self, assuming it's a current life ego state. So what we do is we offer that ego state, the light, the mother's love, the infinite compassion right there. And usually it's, it's easy to do, but sometimes there's difficulties, but that's okay. But once that ego state accepts that light, it is able to let go of that memory that it holds those energies. The two-year-old dropping the bottle, thinking I've been abandoned, I'm going to starve. It can let go of that and then move then to a place of integration in the two-year-old example back into the conscious self so that two-year-old has then released that fear of abandonment that fear and panic of of starving to death and so moves into the conscious self the audience of the conscious self is what i want and so when that 22 year old then is stood up the next time in a restaurant it's like oh well jane joe 
something must have come up. <laughs> I'm good to go. It no longer holds that power, okay, because we brought light to that ego state. We were able to share and release that energies, and then that ego state has moved to a place of integration. So what are some of the reasons? I mean, I think you just mentioned one, or I don't, don't think you did. You just mentioned one, um, why people would want to utilize hypnotherapy, you know, why they would choose it as a, a healing modality. What are some of the things that people come to you about? Well, I mean, the, the primary reason that you pick hypnotherapy is that you're able to access the entire unconscious, which is where those energies lie, okay? Whether it's this life or that life. So it, 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 without an altered state. But I mean, uh, like for the, I'm talking about like for the average everyday person, like I definitely, like when I contacted you, wasn't thinking like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess what I'm wondering is why someone. Um, My typical client then, I'll give you a typical client. Typical client uh, is uh, suffering from panic attacks anxiety. Uh, they might have been diagnosed with PTSD. I don't diagnose, um, uh, except they might be suffering from depression. Again, I don't diagnose. Uh, and I do want to mention that I do work with uh, other mental health uh, professionals around here. They refer clients to me, and then we will work at the unconscious level, and at the same time, they will work at the conscious doing the talk therapy. Those energies at the unconscious level are not easily addressed by talk therapy. There are some NLP techniques, some EMDR techniques that get at those, but they're not targeted, like working with a hypnotherapist, that you have a facilitator now wandering around with you in your unconscious, unturning, working, sharing, and releasing. Okay. That is why people come to me. Cool. So if there's someone who's like, you know, they've been in talk therapy, maybe they're taking medication, things just aren't working, then hypnotherapy would be a great, you know, they're struggling with anxiety. Hypnotherapy would be a great solution to absolutely a good avenue uh, for yeah. them. At least if, to like, give it, a try. <laughs> give it a try. Pick your practitioner very carefully. Okay. And also work in conjunction with your normal therapist too. You never want to be, uh, you know, crossing beams use a Ghostbusters analogy right there. Uh, you want to be working in conjunction because one can complement the other very well. Yeah. Okay. And you don't want to have secrets either. You want to be able to share everything with your normal uh, therapist also. Yeah. Well, I would think too, I mean, certainly in, in my, you know, from what I've experienced, being able to talk with someone else about what you're experiencing through hypnotherapy is very, very valuable. Yeah. yeah. Remember what we've done is we've brought those ego states, assuming their current life ego states, uh, up into the conscious audience. We brought them up in the conscious. So they have a different perspective now, but that perspective is added to the greater consciousness that is you, okay? And so it's helpful then to talk about what that means to me now. How now do I function with this new awareness, etc.? Very valuable. Yeah. All right. <laughs> a lot a lot of stuff we didn't even we 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 had so many other rabbit holes i know now, but uh, <laughs> you pulled me out of the ones that we needed to not go quite as deep i appreciate that Donna. not a problem <laughs> i'm just you know i'm, I'm i uh, am constantly trying to take into account you know my audience like if i'm listening like if i was listening to this yeah like would would my eyes be crossing like wait a minute oh, what I are we it. 
I'm such a, a literal person. I'm kind of like maybe the worst student to have because I'm like, wait, what does that mean specifically? You know, like I want to break every little thing down. Um, but and I'm uh, sure your listeners, your listeners appreciate that too. Yeah, I hope I. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and wrap up because I want to respect your time as well. Because you and I obviously could continue talking for the rest <laughs> of the day. Yeah. Um, and jump into the lightning round. How you feel about that? Okay. Absolutely. Is there yeah. anything that you like want to share before we jump into the lightning round? Well, I I, I just want to come and I, and I touched upon it, but I want to emphasize that it is the light that does the healing. It is that that the infinite mother's love, compassion, taking it to the infinite degree that provides the healing. And we all have that within ourselves already. It is at who we are at our core, at our heart center normally. Uh, and so just with the listeners aware that that's who you are at your core. You are a beautiful being of light. And uh, yeah, we've been covered. We've been smothered. Uh, but we can find that again. We can help you uh, re-experience that again and become whole. Yeah. Yeah. True story. I'm in the midst of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Close out questions. Mm -hmm. Lightning round. Are you ready? Absolutely. I need sound effects. I like something to <laughs> shake. Um, okay. Number one, what is the one habit that you can't live without? Golly. Habit. Probably tea in the morning. Is that, does that count right there? I, I, I'm, you know, I need my caffeine. It's how I'm wired. Uh, 23 and me, people are familiar with that. I have a genetic uh, disposition to liking caffeine and I can attest that that's accurate. Okay. So there we go. <laughs> Do you have a favorite tea? Uh, Irish breakfast tea without a doubt. All right. Okay. Number two, what does spirituality mean for you? It just means awakening to who we are, what we are. It's, a, it's essentially stepping the line, stepping over that line, over that materialistic artificial line uh, into really who we are uh, and you know uh, you know souls having a human existence you know down here yeah. I love that. that's spirituality number three what is your advice to anyone who's looking to find purpose think about what your ideal is first you have to you have to determine what is your ideal is it kindness is it uh, is it a compassion? Look at the virtues. You can pull those up on any, and, and, and those give you a list of the, the ideals out there and, and see which one resonates. Meditate on it. Yeah. Uh, but if you find your ideal, then you can kind of work down uh, to dig an action statement surrounding that ideal. I actually uh, used to teach a course. That course is, you know, that's six, seven hours long, though, to do the course, but that's a nutshell right there. <laughs> Um, and finally, where can people connect with you online? Heartcentric hypnosis.com is where it is. And I think you'll probably post that somewhere, but that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not on social media, are you? No, no, I don't do. I did do to social media for a while, but I've, the, the, there were just too many detrimental effects, uh, for keeping people tied to that particular, uh, medium. Uh, and I didn't want to be part of that right there. But it, 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 there are a lot of good things that happen on, let's talk Twitter. Well, 
maybe not Twitter, but, but Facebook, et cetera, uh, you know, connections with old friends, et cetera. Uh, but again, you know, all social media, you are the commodity on social media. So I just, uh, I don't want to, again, contribute to that uh, with my clients. Uh, and that's why I made a purposeful uh, decision to, to not participate. Yeah. I dream about that kind of a world. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not where I'm at yet, but yeah. yeah. And, and you might it. not need to, a lot of people don't need to go there. You know, they're okay. They can work with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love seeing photos of my friend's kids. Yeah. You know? um, and I, I am super strict with who I follow and what is in my timeline and all those things. Yeah. But yeah. still to be able to just disappear sounds pretty amazing it is uh, it, it became more of a time sink for me right there uh and then i looked at the other detrimental effects and determined it just wasn't a match for where i needed to put my energies yeah. okay we will definitely include your website link mm -hmm. in the show notes um george is very popular so if you're wanting to have a session with him <laughs> join the wait list but um all right so thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it and loved having you on the show. Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure, a real gift uh, to be with you uh, this morning and, and always, Anna. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks, if you were inspired by today's interview, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Join um, the new Soul Driven Collective. It's open. It's live. We are a spiritually curious community, and you will definitely find a home there. Or sign up for the email list just to stay updated with podcasts and resources and other helpful things. And don't forget, when you invest in, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week.